Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. If you've been listening, you know that over the course of this pandemic, this project has shifted from a creative way to mark the time for myself to the way that I'm trying to support my family after we lost our source of income. You can help me with this, and it won't cost you anything. If you go to iTunes and subscribe to Shelter in Place, together, we might be able to get listed in iTunes New and Noteworthy, which will help my family and this podcast survive this time well. Thank you to all of you who have also left ratings and reviews. Your support is a great reminder that though we're apart, we're not alone. Today, my gift of daily sanity to you is a special bonus episode, a conversation I had recently with the hosts of Emerging Form, a bi-weekly podcast about the creative process. Emerging Form aired this episode last week, and they also dropped episode eight of Shelter in Place into their feed the very next day. The hosts are two writers, poet Rosemary Witola Trummer, whose poems have been featured in places like A Prairie Home Companion and Oprah Winfrey's O Magazine, and science writer Christy Ashwanden, whose book Good to Go, What the Athlete and All of Us Can Learn from the Strange Science of Recovery, came out in February to huge critical acclaim, including an interview with Terry Gross on Fresh Air. Talking with Rosemary and Christy this past month was one of the most fun conversations I've had. We talked about writing, parenting, and figuring out how to endure this time well. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. When you're done listening, I hope you'll find Emerging Forum on iTunes, rate it, and leave a review of what you liked about the show. This very special episode starts off with a confession for me. I, you know, I, I have huge empathy for him, but at the same time, I'm like, now you finally understand why my life was so frustrating before. Is there some part of you that's a little bit reluctant to not be the number one person? No. <laughs> I love your honesty. One of the things I've had to come um, sort of to peace with in motherhood is that I am a better mom when I'm also writing. I, I feel like I have more to give to my kids when I'm creating something regularly. Showing up for that work every day, it's really given me a sense of purpose that I needed going into this time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Emerging Form. This is Rosemary Watola Traumer coming to you from my closet in Placerville, Colorado, where I have been in place for six weeks, not in the closet, of course, just I'm in the closet right now, but in Placerville. Yes. We can unpack that later. Uh, I'm Christy Ashwanden coming to you from my closet inside the COVID-19 pandemic. Look, life is different now. Mm -hmm. And in light of that, we are going to shift gears here at Emerging Form with a bit of a little mini series. We are going to give you a series of episodes about creativity in the age of the new coronavirus. And we're going to be talking with creative people about how they're coping and how the pandemic has changed their daily lives and how it's influencing their creative lives. And uh, and also, really, how do we find hope in these moments of sadness, uncertainty, and potential? 
And to kick it off, we have a fabulous guest, Laura Joyce Davis, who is the host of the podcast Shelter in Place. And more on her in a minute. But first, Rosemary, how are you? Okay, so just first of all, we're doing fine. You know, we are all home, me, my mm-hmm. husband, my two children, and we're home and we're healthy and people I know are healthy. Uh, you know, things are strange, but the, <laughs> I've been, I've been kind of galvanized creatively. And I think it is fair to say that although I had kind of been terrified of doing online teaching, online presenting, I've gotten mm-hmm. quite proficient now with zoom and maybe that's a silver lining. <laughs> Haven't in we this all? Whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. How about you, Christy? How, how are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting what you said about Zoom. I had actually the other night, uh, my husband said to me, can we just not Zoom tonight? Like it just feels like everyone wants to Zoom all the time <laughs> now, right? Um, but honestly, I'm doing pretty well. I feel like I'm actually doing a little bit better than I was earlier on. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. So a couple things. One is that I am incredibly busy right now with work because I'm writing all of these things about COVID-19, mm-hmm. the coronavirus. So that's keeping me busy, but it's also sort of keeping me engaged. And it's like, in one sense, it's really nice because it gives me a sense that I'm doing something meaningful about it. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's always the question of like, how meaningful is it? Does anyone really read this stuff. Um, but then it also is sort of challenging because it makes it much harder. You know, there, you can't be thinking about this stuff all the time. And so it's a little bit harder. Like if I've had to really be much more deliberate mm-hmm. about sort of cutting off like work time from personal time mm-hmm. and all of that. And it's also one thing that's really interesting. Um, so you and I are talking on the weekend here and, you know, I almost never do reporting on the weekend. I just don't. I don't ask people to do that and talk to me. But what I've been finding is a lot of the researchers that I need to talk to are actually suggesting that we talk over the weekend in part because, you know, during their work time, they're doing this important research. And mm-hmm. so these are the times that are more available. So that's been kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, but I would just say overall, I'm very fortunate in that my family and my loved ones are all healthy and safe for now. But I have been hearing, I, I do have uh, close friends who have been losing family members. And that's just really heartbreaking Mm and I'm you know feel a deep sadness for what's happening and I feel like it's something that I haven't quite absorbed and that maybe as a country we're we're just you know not not there yet in terms of absorbing sort of the magnitude of that you know the human loss like that and of course I'm terrified for my profession wondering you know what my work's going to look like whether I'll have work in the future but for now I'm just trying to you know basically live in the moment the thing that I found really works is to just embrace the uncertainty and accept it it's almost like a radical acceptance that I can't know what's going to happen next um which is always the case right right. I just just have to say that that is more woo-woo than I have ever heard you sound I don't think it's woo. I think it's, I mean, look, everything is, anyway, that's, this is a conversation for a whole another, another, I love that you think that though. Well, but no, I'm, I'm just I, saying I, that sounds, that you like just stepped into the realm of the poet when you said that it was gorgeous. Oh, well, you know, I would love to be a poet. So thank you. I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> so, but I, I mean it, I think that 
I had so much anxiety early on around like not knowing what was going to happen and like remembering the last recession and what it did to my profession and how hard it was professionally. And like, you know, so I had a lot of fear and just sort of letting go of that and accepting that I don't know what it's going to look like six months from now. Things could be even worse. They could be better. I don't really know. And so it's not really worth thinking about and just really trying to be very present in the moment. And I, I think that that's, maybe a good thing, a silver lining that can come out of that and, and practicing, you know, doing that practice. We all know, I mean, that's just like a really like tired mm-hmm. little mantra, you know, for like a yoga match or something, right? Be here now. But uh, this has been an opportunity to live that. <laughs> I have All right. So no, you haven't no, gone no. full woo on me. All right. <laughs> well, I wanna, let's talk about what's coming up. So we have something new, uh, new to emerging form. We are just going to go all in with this strange time and uh, just kind of surrender for a while to the COVID-19 pandemic and check in with creatives from around the country and find out how are they coping with this new age. And Christy, let's bring in this week's guest. Yeah, I'm really excited about her. Laura Joyce Davis is a writer from Oakland, California, and she's the host of a new podcast called Shelter in Place, which is all about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Um, Laura was a finalist for the WNYC Podcast Accelerator Contest. She's received the Creative Writing Fulbright Scholarship, the Poets and Writers Exchange Award and two Pushcart Prize nominations. A lot of good stuff. Um, but since sheltering in place, she's also reluctantly accepted a position as homeschool teacher of three highly opinionated children. Does that sound familiar? And that's a little bit of what we're going to be talking about with Indeed. her. Let's uh, let's give her a call. Let's do it. Hi, Laura. It's Rosemary Watola Tromer. And this is Christy. It's so nice to have you on the show. It's so good to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. We're really glad to have you. We're doing a special installation of episodes about life for creatives during coronavirus and how that's going. Yeah, and Laura, we were really interested to have you on the show because we noticed that, uh, you know, this whole pandemic thing has inspired you to start a whole new podcast during the pandemic. So we wanted to talk about that, but also just how you're coping in general and other coping strategies for times of isolation. So maybe do you want to just start off by telling us like where you're at? Give us sort of a sense of your isolation scenario here at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So our life has changed pretty dramatically. I mean, when I was thinking about this question before our call, I was thinking, what hasn't changed? Um, Mm -hmm. we have, my husband and I have three little kids that are eight, six Mm -hmm. and three. So they're pretty young and they are all three suddenly home with us and we're attempting to homeschool them just like Mm -hmm. a lot of other parents out there. And, um, another thing that is pretty major for our family is we have been planning for many years now to take a sabbatical year in Mexico starting this July. Mm -hmm. And we have had to pull the plug Mm -hmm. on that, on those plans, which has been, you know, pretty significant and kind of crushing in a lot of ways. And then just this heartbreaking. Yes, it really has. And, um, and then just this week, my husband who, when this started, his work had kind of been drastically cut, but just this week it's been, completely, um, like he's completely without work as of this week. So it's, it's been a lot all at once. And 
You know, before COVID-19, I was the primary caregiver for our kids and my husband was working full time and commuting every day. And now since sheltering in place, we've essentially swapped roles. So it's been pretty dramatic for all of us. Uh-huh. <laughs> Laura, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about that. Um, it really feels to me like talking to a lot of my other friends that there has been a lot of shifting of like household roles during yeah. this whole thing. And I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit more about how that's played out. Has that been uh, an interesting shift? Has it been uh, sort of disorienting? Like how has that felt for you and, and sort of your relationship? It's definitely been challenging for us. I, I think, um, you know, before all of this, I was working, but it was sort of packed into these three days a week when my kids, when my youngest one was in preschool and my other two were in school. And so now really because my husband doesn't have work and even before this week, he didn't have very much work. Um, I have been, you know, first thing in the morning, we have a little writing studio in our backyard that we built a few years back. And so I head out first thing in the morning and I work until usually one or two in the afternoon. And my husband is with the kids all through the morning. And then the two of the three of them still take naps. So in, in the afternoon, I'm with my son kind of doing more one-on-one things with him and then um, giving my husband some time to work or now look for jobs. But I think what's been really striking about this time, I mean, I should say my husband is a rock star dad. Like he's always been very, very helpful with stuff around the house. But I think just when you're not the primary caregiver, it is just different. Like you don't, you don't experience Mm -hmm. that grind of parenting in quite the same way. And now he gets it in a way that he never has before, even though he was super involved before there is just something about being able to go to work every day Mm. (laughs) and get away from all of that and not have to come back until around dinner time that it's really different for him now. So he, he is not in, I mean, we love our children don't get me wrong, but he is not enjoying this new role. (laughs) It's been really tough for him. (laughs) It's It's not easy. And I have a ton of empathy for him because I get it. It's exactly how I felt for the last eight years of, being a parent. Right. That's your normal life, yes. right? <laughs> well, and I, and I have to confess, like, there's a part of me that's like, I, you know, I, I have huge empathy for him, but at the same time, I'm like, now you finally understand why my life was so frustrating before. <laughs> but I'm curious, Laura, I mean, do you miss it too? Is there some part of you that's a little bit reluctant to not be the number one person? No. <laughs> <laughs> I love your honesty. There you go. Um, you know, well, I, you know, it's interesting to, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious cause it, in your, in your podcast and, uh, shelter in place, you have, you know, you, you're pretty upfront about having to talk about yeah. this with your kids and how this is all working out yeah. with them. And, uh, I know that that's a big deal for a lot of people who are, who have children who are, you know, now working at home and, and it's, it's a lot to juggle. And, you know, what are some of the things that you've noticed though, that are coming out of this in your creative life? I mean, for instance, you you created a podcast out of this. I mean, so obviously this is in some ways a productive time for you, but are, are there other ways that you've noticed that, that 
being at home and sheltering in place and the pandemic has kind of pushed you creatively? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to unpack that question a little bit because there's, there's a lot of different layers there, but I think the first thing is uh, what has really struck me about this time creatively is that in the past writing has always come at a cost. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I got my MFA in fiction back in 2006, I always had this dream that someday I'd write full time, but for many, many years, I didn't just because the Bay area is a really expensive place to live. And we were honestly just too scared to try to make it work on one income. And, you know, I know writers who've written great books while they've had full-time jobs doing something else. And I have tried to do that, but I just never had much success Mm -hmm. at that. I found the writing that I produced in those years of working other jobs was just not very good. And I don't think I've you know, held on to any of that stuff. Um, and then in 2010, I got a creative writing scholar, uh, a creative writing Fulbright to go to the Philippines for a year. And that year was kind of the point where we just reevaluated a lot of things that year. And one of those things was me not going back to a full-time job like I had been before. So when we came back in 2011, I was pregnant with our son Um, so, you know, I had sort of months until I was going to be a mother, but in the meantime, we decided that I would write full time. So I had like, I don't know what it was, seven months or something until he was born. And, but you know, it came at a real cost, right? It was like, we were living off of one income. It was a tough year financially after being away for a year. And then of course, since having kids, anytime that I'm writing, it, it does come at a cost to them too. I mean, I think one of the things I've had to come um, sort of to peace with in motherhood is that I am a better mom when I'm also writing. I, I feel like I have more to give to my kids when I'm creating something regularly. But that's been a real a real process to figure that out, and it's been hard at times. And then, of course, with COVID-19, all of a sudden, you know, the cost of me doing this work is, well, mm. I should put it a different way. I am only able to do this work right now because my husband is without a job. I mean, if he were, if he still had a full-time job right now, there's no way I would be able to, you know, spend half the day working on a project and it would probably Mm -hmm. be very much like our old life. So, I mean, you asked me if I missed being the primary caregiver before, and I, you know, I want to be careful and say like, I adore my kids. I am, I am so grateful to be a mom. I, they're, they're really awesome little people and I'm totally in love with them. And at the same time, I have come to a place in my own sense of motherhood and realizing, you know, as much as I love my kids, I don't get a lot, like my soul is not fed by motherhood and, um, and it is by writing, you know? And, and so when I am able to carve out time to create every day, even if it's just a little bit, mm-hmm. um, I just, I have so much more to give them in the time that I am with them. So I think it's, it's been fascinating to me to finally, for the first time in eight years, have a chance to be writing full time. I mean, I'm, I'm putting out episodes Monday through Saturday and each of those days I'm, I'm here, you know, that first half of the day working and realizing how much happier I've been 
in doing that than I was before. Even though obviously oh, life is hard right now. I'm not downplaying that. I'm not saying COVID-19 yeah. is a good thing. I, you know, I, I'm acknowledging all that, but it's been very interesting in the midst of a lot of struggle to feel more creatively fulfilled than I have in a long time. Oh, friend, we deserve some silver linings. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know. There's got to right. be some light in all this, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just want to make an observation. So, Laura, I don't have children, and that's by choice, um, but most of my friends do. And one thing I've observed that's so interesting to me is just the extent to which in our culture, it's sort of like motherhood is supposed to be so selfless. And yeah. I just see this again and again in my friends, this like horrible and I feel like as an outsider looking in misplaced guilt for like yeah. taking time for oneself. And like, yeah. I just think that it's so fascinating to me. So like you could, um, you know, spend all of this time nurturing your daughter or your son. I don't actually know if you have a daughter, but you yeah, I have two girls children, and a boy. And that's yep. like considered good. Right. Mm -hmm. But if all of a sudden that person is you, then all of a sudden you're selfish and, and terrible. And I just really, it makes me so happy when I see instances where women are sort of recognizing that like, it's okay to take care of yourself and that, you know, caring for your own needs and feeding your soul. It's okay for that to not always come from motherhood and it doesn't make you a bad mom. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think it's actually really, important for kids to be able to see women who are caring for themselves and are creating and putting good work out into the world. And yes. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I think I have two girls and I think especially for, for my boy too, of course, but for my girls, especially it's, mm -hmm. I hope that what I'm modeling for them is expanding their options in the world of what they can be as a woman someday and as women someday. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking about, um, this thing that I read recently. Uh, it was this author saying that, you know, what do you call a man who has, or sorry, what do you, I'll start that over. What do you call a woman who has a mom who has a job outside the home? You call her a working mom. What do you call mm. a dad who has a job outside of the home? A dude with a job. <laughs> it's like, even right. our ways of talking about it are so revealing, I think, yeah. that for women, yeah. if you're working as well as being a mom, it's assumed that like your primary thing is being a mother. Whereas for dads, that's that, that expectation isn't there for them. And, you know, it, it just, that little anecdote struck me so much is, um, and, you know, my husband and I talked about it for a while. It's like, yeah, that is kind of crazy that even in our world today, that's still <laughs> how we talk about people who are in those roles. Yeah, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I want to bring it back to a second about about this trip that isn't happening mm -hmm. to Mexico. And, and I understand that it was a chance for you at that time to be working on your on your podcast that's looking at U.S. Uh, Mexico right. immigration through the lens of real life stories from both sides. So it, it seems to me that this wasn't just a trip for your family. This, this was work and creative work and very important creative work for you. Um, your project misinformed. And let's just talk about, we talked about the silver lining yeah. a little bit, but this seems like a pretty big loss. It is. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked about this more just earlier this week, um, in episode 30 of shelter in place, I, I kind of went into the history of, 
this uh, sabbatical year, but it's really been a dream that has been 17 years in the making. Um, that year that I mentioned that we went to the yeah. Philippines and I had a Fulbright, that was kind of round one of a sabbatical year. And it's been this rhythm that my husband and I, you know, for many, many years now have kind of chosen to live in of working for a number of years and then taking a year where we aren't making money that year, but either we're volunteering our time or somehow just figuring out how to give back in that year. And so in the Philippines, we had spent a year working with survivors of the sex trafficking. Um, and I was doing creative work alongside that. I mean, that was very much, um, in- integrated in that year. And so this time around, mm-hmm. it was going to be in Mexico. Like you said, you know, this project on immigration, um, which is very dear to my heart for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, but I think, the the big idea with the sabbatical year was always let's see if we can live in this rhythm where it's not all about us and where we use mm-hmm. our gifts our creative gifts to in some way give back to the world um hopefully if we do it well and so you know in that year in the philippines i had writing that came out of that and we were my husband is a, a an advertising copywriter so he was doing a different kind of writing and we were volunteering that to these organizations we were working with but also just showing up to do whatever they needed us to do so we did a lot of washing dishes with the women at this mm-hmm. at this wonderful organization where we worked and that was mm-hmm. actually maybe the most beautiful thing about that year was just those hours spent in the kitchen mm-hmm. washing dishes with them you know having kindergarten level conversations in Tagalog because you know, we, were, we were learning, but we were by no means fluent and the relationships that came out of that. So I think, you know, the, the loss of the year in Mexico, it's something we've anticipated for a long time. Our kids have been anticipating it. Um, our kids are all fluent in Spanish. Mm-hmm. We are working toward that goal very hard. Um, and so for all of us, it's felt like a big shift. I mean, even, even my little, my littlest one, you know, talks about Mexico and knows what that is. So mm-hmm. it's, it's felt like all of this momentum was moving toward this year for so long. I mean, predating my kids and now all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's just stopped. And I do hope that we'll get to do it at some point down the road, but it seems pretty clear that it's not going to happen in the timeline that we had hoped. I mean, we, we were actively planning to rent out mm-hmm. our house and, you know, we had a trip planned just yeah. for next week to go down to Mexico and look at schools. And of course we're not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, I, I think right. to be honest, like I am only just processing the loss of that. It's, it's taking some time to really mm-hmm. understand yeah. the grief behind that. Mm-hmm. Hello, dear listeners. We are so grateful that you're here. If you like the show, please consider going to our Substack page, emergingform.substack.com to sign up as a paid supporter. You'll get bonus material and the warm feeling of knowing that you're supporting our labor of love. And you know Mm -hmm. what? Your support will help us continue making the show. That would be awesome. And if you have a moment, please go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. Rating us on iTunes helps other listeners find us. Thanks for your support. Thank you. And I, I 
sort of feel like there's this thing too, where it's almost like life has changed so fast and everyone's having to just change everything and give up all of these sort of expectations and plans. And it almost feels like at least in sort of the initial parts that, that it's almost like you, you don't want to express too much like, Oh, I'm so bummed because it's like, well, at least I'm alive and I'm not exactly. sick and there, you know, exactly. there's so much anxiety about that. But I, I just have to think that there will come a point as things settle a little bit where we might feel like we have a little more space and, and frankly, like have let go of a little bit of that anxiety about, about the virus itself to maybe yeah. take time to sort of process that. Right. Yep. I think that's right. Laura, I'd like to hear a little bit about how you're using the podcast to sort of cope with this uh, situation. And maybe you can even just start off by telling us how it came about and, and how you created it. Yeah, absolutely. So on March 16th, the afternoon before the Bay Area mandate to shelter in place went into effect, I went on a bike ride and it was one of those moments where the idea for the podcast just kind of came to me whole, including the script for that first episode. And I should say that does not happen to me all the time. I mean, I'm not a person who has ideas all the time and certainly not ones that come to me that fully realized, but it felt like an idea that had some urgency behind it in ways that I didn't even completely understand yet. And so, um, you know, I went home and talked to my husband and who, to his credit, immediately said, yes, you should go for it. Um, I think he knows me well enough Mm -hmm. to know that my mental health would be a lot better if I was creating during this time. And, you know, which has absolutely been true. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, uh, my original thought behind it was I knew right away that going into this time that we were in a moment in history that we'd all look back on and for better or worse, we would see it Mm -hmm. as significant. And so it it kind of started as like, I want to mark this time for myself. And I also knew that if I was going to survive being home with my kids 24 seven and trying to homeschool Mm -hmm. them all of a sudden, and you know, all of, we we have a small house, like all of us being in this little space together that I needed a plan that would allow me to be, to just have some daily sanity. I mean, the tagline for shelter in place is finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. And that is exactly, I mean, that, that tagline came with the idea from the very beginning because I knew I needed that. And I think, um, you know, I mentioned before, I'm not a very good mom to my kids when I'm not writing. And so the podcast has been a daily way that I could make sure that I was caring for myself creatively that also in turn has allowed me to care for them better. Um, but, but the idea also felt totally crazy. You know, I would have never done something like this before this time. I just, I don't even think I would have wanted to, um, you know, I have three young kids and it's not like we all, all this free time. And, you know, I mentioned before, if my husband, hadn't basically lost his job, you know, now he has lost his job, but if it hadn't been immediately cut back on day one, he could have never said yes to that. Um, so it's all of these weird things that have come together to make that possible that, you know, are complicated. Um, and I, I think what's happened as it's gone on, I mean, I'm now, as of our conversation today, um, I'm working on episode 33 right now. 
And I think what I've realized is that showing up for that work every day, it's really given me a sense of purpose that I needed going into this time. Um, that doesn't mean there haven't been really hard days. There definitely have. And there've, I've definitely had those moments of being like, I don't know, am I going to produce anything good today? And there's been some episodes I like better than other others, but it has been a really life-giving process on the whole. And when I do have those hard days, it's been such a gift to myself to process that, that difficulty creatively. Um, so Mm -hmm. anyway, so yeah, my husband said yes to this. I mean, I, that afternoon, like minutes after we had that conversation, I contacted ACAST, my hosting company and to their credit, they were so supportive right from the get go. They helped me get my podcast up and running on March 17th, the first day of sheltering in place. And so yeah, here we are, you know, over almost five weeks later and it's still going. Um, and I think, you know, I, one of the things that has been a great delight of the podcast that I didn't necessarily expect from the get go has been getting to feature the work of other artists and thinkers. And Mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, when I went into this, I gave myself permission to make the podcast, whatever I wanted it to be. I knew I'd need that freedom if I was going to make it sustainable And I didn't want it to just be about my life because honestly, my life isn't that interesting. I mean, I, you know, we have interesting moments and I've shared those as we do, but I, I often tie my own experience to the work that others are doing or to research on a certain topic. And, um, you know, Saturdays I've designated as story Saturdays where I either share a piece of fiction or an interview that I've done with somebody else who's creating in the world. Um, and I think, having that freedom has been really important to the process. And it's also given me a little more flexibility in what each day looks like. Um, but, but like I said, I mean, one of the fun things has been able, has been being able to pull in other artists and to give them a spotlight Mm -hmm. for the work that they're doing, because there's so many good people doing work out there right now. Um, and who've done work in the past that, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to share with the world. Um, but I think the last thing I should say about all that real quick is, when I started this project, uh-huh. I thought we would be sheltering in place for three or four weeks. And I don't think I would have done this if I'd realized <laughs> how long it was going to go on. You had no idea. I had no idea, but I That's am glad. You know, I'm not sorry. I just, when I look back, I think, man, if I'd known, there's no way I would have taken this on. Um, but I am glad that I'm doing it. I, I haven't regretted it. It's, it is pushing me creatively in a way that nothing in my mm-hmm. life before ever has. It's, it's been pretty remarkable. Well, and you know, on that note, I wanted, so I've, I've been writing a poem every day for about 15 years. And, oh, I uh, love that. Oh, it's amazing. And, and what I know for myself and, and what I'm wondering about you is, uh, that, that doing something daily, having a daily practice tends to change things a lot about that practice. And I know that you're not new to podcasting, uh, but I, but podcasting daily is a different deal. And I, I'm just curious, what are some of the things that you've started to, or are you, do you know yet? What are some of the things that you've really started to understand about your process when you shifted to a daily rhythm? It's a great question. I think two things come up for me. One is it's forced me to let go of some of my obsessive perfectionism that I think has often 
I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's not always a bad thing, right? It's good to edit your work. It's good to, um, you know, to really spend the time writing draft after draft of a novel to make it the best you can. But this process, I don't have, you know, I can't do 16 drafts of something like I usually do. I mean, that's right. not an exaggeration. <laughs> um, and yeah. so that's been good for me to just give myself, it's a, it's a little hard, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. like I said, there've been days where I'm like, well, I didn't like that episode as much as the last one, but it's okay. You know, like it's, it's a daily podcast. There's going to be another one. And that has, that's felt very freeing. Yeah. That's, that's been wonderful to have that freedom. And then the other thing I would say is it's Mm -hmm. been a process of realizing that I can trust myself more than I thought. I don't think, I mean, one of the reasons I never would have done this before is I'm just not that person who has like new ideas every day. You know, I get like one I one good idea maybe every few years if I'm lucky. And so the idea of coming up with something every single day would have just been so daunting to me. I don't think there's any way I would have even hoped that I could pull that off. And like I said, I mean, I really just feel like the whole way that this thing came together, it felt like, you know, divine inspiration on that on that first day of kind of coming up with the idea. But it's been a really cool thing to realize, oh, I actually can show up every day and create. And yeah, some days are going to be better than others. It's not going to be perfect every day. It's going to, you know, maybe not be perfect most days, but there's something really wonderful and life-giving about trusting that the ideas will come and Mm -hmm. looking in my life for points of inspiration. You know, it, I, I think it's made me much more attentive to the things that I'm seeing in the world right now. It's, it's made me, you know, one of, one of kind of the mm-hmm. hearts of the project from the beginning has been trying to just not, not sugarcoating anything. You know, I, I think it's important to sit with the sadness and the grief of our world right now, but trying to find a little ray of light in that. And, you know, holding mm-hmm. those things in tension, that, that grief and the mourning and the loss with the hope and like the beautiful things that are coming out of this time because they are there. So I think it's, it's actually made me pay attention more to things that are, that I probably should have been paying attention to all along, but I was just maybe too distracted before or too caught up in my own world. You know, I think it's, it's easy when we're so busy mm-hmm to miss out on some of the really wonderful things that are happening all around us. Well, I think those are, those are three amazing things, the freedom, the trust and the uh, ability to, to really pay attention in a new way. So I I feel like, (laughs) I mean, look at all those blessings. It's, It's interesting to me, all the things that have come out of, you know, the creative blessings that have come out of a difficult time. And and that seems like a great example. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I I feel that way too. And I also feel like it's complicated, right? Because I'm saying all these things at the same time, you know, that we're as a family grieving our loss of income and like, we got to figure that out. You know, I I, will, we'll survive. We'll be, we'll be okay. But it's, it is super complicated. You know, I have family members in the medical profession who are, you know, exposed to COVID-19 on a daily basis. So it's, it's just, I think you're right. I'm, I'm so grateful for those things. And even saying them feels like a complicated thing because it doesn't take away from 
all of the deep suffering in our world right now, you know, and the, the suffering that's always been there, right? It's just, it's got a new face now that's a lot more visible. Absolutely. Absolutely. Laura, we're running out of time, but this has been so fantastic. It's just been wonderful hearing about your process here and your experience. And I really, I'm just struck by this idea that, you know, it's sort of like, it's okay for us to find silver linings. And I think you're right talking about this complicatedness of it, right? And I I think that just because you're finding a silver lining doesn't mean you're not still feeling those things. And we need to sort of give ourselves permission to have feelings that are very complex and maybe sort of confusing sometimes. Yeah, I think that's right. That's really well put. Well, thank you, Laura, for joining us. We will have a link to your podcast, Shelter in Place, in our show notes. And, uh, and we'll look forward to seeing what else what else shows up for you as you continue to maneuver through this strange Yeah, we'll, we'll time. keep listening. Thanks for Thank you here. so much. Yeah, thank you. This has been such an honor to talk to you guys. I've really loved listening to your podcast lately. And, um, yeah, keep up the great work. You guys are putting some great stuff out there. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> been listening to Emerging Form. This is Rosemary Watola Tromer. My co-host is the science writer Christy Ashwanden. Our sound editor is Rob Dozier. Kara Kopistansky created and performed our music. And Kate LaRue created our logo. Jack Mueller, of course, inspired our work and this podcast. As he always said, you must obey the poem's emerging form. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode today from Emerging Form. In the spirit of sharing podcasts I love with you, I want to tell you about one more. So many great podcasts have come out of this time of sheltering in place, and one of my favorites is The Transmission Times. It's a gorgeous collage of audio diaries from people sheltering in place around the globe. Here's a quick glimpse of what you'll hear. This is The Transmission Times, radio diaries during COVID-19 lost my first friend, Dale, to the virus. He could lose his roommate situation and then have no place to live. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to look at the doorknob the same way I did before. The lives that are going to be lost, people in other countries. Nature will go on and will go on. We're a part of nature. But I think inevitably I will get it. I work in a hospital. My children just bring me right back to the present moment. You can listen to The Transmission Times wherever you get your podcasts. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, the best way you can support it is to subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes so others can find it too. Shelter in Place is sponsored by Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. I am so grateful to be sponsored by a small local business that isn't just committed to making great wines, but to making this world a better place. Get 10% off your order when you use the promo code SHELTER at brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com. When you buy wine, you support this show and also other businesses that are working toward more sustainable living. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. Until tomorrow, 
this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.